Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Square Circle Podcast. And if you love listening to this podcast and want to consider making your own podcast, just download the Anchor app. Anchor allows you to make any type of podcast you want all in one place, all for your convenience. You might think that this has some strings attached. It does not. So let me explain what Anchor can do for you. It is currently free. Well, it's probably always going to be free. There's creation tools within Anchor that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. How easy is that? And then Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify Apple, and all major podcast programs. And you could also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It has everything you need in one place. Now all I need you guys to do is to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and you are listening to the best podcast you ever heard. Today I have a special guest. It is the one, the only, the wrestler who has never played WWF No Mercy. It's not that serious. JD Alpha. The best on the East Coast, of course. Henry, how are you? I'm good, and I'm glad that you're on this podcast. Thank you for having me on. This is a very special one. This is like the first one, so you kind of broke the ice on everything. I'm the first. I am number one on this, so... Get your act together, I guess. This is why he's the best on the East Coast. Let's start it off with the simple question of where did you get JD Alpha? Who is JD Alpha? What is JD Alpha? Okay, we'll do that right now. So, uh, JD Alpha was a name um, I thought of when I had a friend named Justin. His name was Justin Danielson. So, he was a little kid that lived upstairs from me. And he, uh, he passed away at a very young age. And we used to love watching wrestling together. We used to watch a lot of the Attitude Era back then. And then growing up watching like tag teams like Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, and Douglas, And we just like wanted to make ourselves like a tag team. We always had the dream of, hey, when we make it up there, let's be a tag team and, and stuff like that. And then Alpha was part of my, my name because I always thought of myself as an alpha male as a little child because, you know. In school, like, I wouldn't allow myself to get bullied a lot. So a lot of people gravitate towards me, try to follow me when it came to that. So that's why I became, like, an alpha, so to speak, and stuff like that. Gotta stop saying stuff like that. It's like a bad habit of mine. It is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you should obviously know you're on the road with me, like, mostly all the time. Yeah, I am on the road with JD Alpha most of the time. So he does really love saying the phrase, stuff like that. Um... Aside from getting your name, uh, where did you first get your start? Uh, let's see. I got my start at a like a little... Here we go. Here we go. This story gonna... time, guys. Story, story time. time. This is going to break the internet. <laughs> I got my start at doing a little backyard federation with a bunch of friends at a park in New York. Uh, it was like a little small thing. We would get like a lot of people to like come to the park just to hang out and watch us perform wrestling. So I did that for at least a couple, like probably two years until someone approached me about, hey, you know, I, uh, I know someone who's re- running like a wrestling federation. You're pretty good at, you know, throwing your body around and getting hurt for a little to no money. How about you come do it for little to no money with us in a wrestling ring? 
but you got to get trained. So I was like, okay, I'll give that a shot. So what I did was there was this company called Empire Pro Wrestling who did like a training school in like this weird, I would say like boiler room type thing where like the ropes for us were just like, I don't know, like wa- like hose or something, like, you know, water hose that you would, like, garden with or whatever. So that's how I got my start. And then from there, I literally went back to backyard wrestling for I can hold my graph a little bit, which was the worst thing you can ever do. And then I, I found um, a, a kid came up to me who um, he was like, hey, listen, I know a better school that you can go to. It's called uh, Bronx Wrestling Federation. So I went down there which is called the BWF now. Usually you hear me refer to the B, like Bronx Wrestling Federation as BWF. Um, I went there back in, I would want to say 2012 around there, 2012, 2013 is where I started training there. I met a lot of great guys there. And then I was so motivated because these guys, they were just like a little bit taller than me and they just looked like stars. And I was just this little skinny punk kid who went in there and was like, I just want to be a wrestler. And from there on, though, no, the rest is history, you know? I trained there for years, and then I jumped from school to school to school because I didn't want to stay in one place and learn something from one person. I wanted to go to, like, other places and learn other things from other people to see what I can bring in to my style of wrestling. So... And you think that made you an all-around person for what you are today? As a person, yeah, basically, because I feel I like... I should say as a wrestler. Well, as a wrestler, as a person, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a wrestler, I, it no, makes you feel I mean, In a way, yeah, you can say as a person, too, because knowing, like, meeting different people and, like, ways how they, like, teach and, like, present themselves in, like, the wrestling business, it kind of made me feel like a better person because I always grew up also, like, you know, like I said, like, I would not get bullied a lot because I would not allow it, but also I was a quiet quiet kid who would just be listening to his music. I would really not talk to anybody. And that was just always me. So when I started like getting myself into more of the wrestling business, it was like I would speak out a lot more like how I would feel about wrestling, how I would talk about wrestling. And it's it just made me all around better. And then when it comes to like the wrestling aspect itself, I would say um I really it really opened up my eyes to a lot of things. Cause I just thought looking at a TV, like, it was like, hey, this could be fun doing it. I didn't never do, like, once I actually stepping through, like, those ropes, you know, it would get serious. And it, it, it shouldn't... How, how many curses I have on the show? Is this a curse-free show? Or? It's a curse-free show. Go okay. Ahead. Listen, Go ahead, dude. <laughs> my shit got rocked <laughs> a billion times. I think my first ever concussion was at a training where um, this is my favorite story. And, and Marie knows. I was... Two months into training, and I, I've seen and I've seen this guy. I studied him for years, but never thought I would ever cross his path. Seen Loki, yes, as you guys know in the WWE <laughs> as Kaval, but his, his indie name Loki. It's Loki. It's Loki. Awesome, awesome wrestler. Amazing wrestler. He kind of smarted me up a little bit, and until you in a point where like we were doing something up to the point where I kind of pissed him off. He kind of gave me a, a stiff kick to the nose. Busted me wide open. I was like, hey, listen. In ways, I feel like I deserved it, but <laughs> I, I don't really think I did it at the same time. You know, I'm, I'm going to come for you, Loki, one day. I'm not, I'm not even going to bother with that guy. But, um, yeah. From, but going back to what I said, because of that, that's what made me learn that I have to go other places and learn 
other things because you're gonna get experiences from different people from different regions and yeah. they'll teach you like a little small aspect that you didn't learn from this place and that's gonna carry you wherever you go because if let's say i'm calling a match with a guy and then like he decides to like switch it up on me i can figure out when he's gonna switch it up on me because you know this is not what you know we set out to, to do or, or and stuff like that that's a good prime example right there but that's just me so going back to bwf what was the training schedule like the training schedule for BWF was basically if you had the money and the time, you can just go in there and just do what you want to do. At that time, uh, like I said, back in 2012, going straight up, um, it was like you can come into you could come to the gym, uh, get a good, you can even work out with the equipment. You can get a good workout in, and then you can go bust your ass in the in the ring. And like for me, it was like back then I trained at least three to four times a week. Mostly four times a week, so I would see these guys, like, a lot. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, I would see these guys a lot, and then, like, it was just nonstop for me. I was doing it consistently, 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 until a point where I said, like, listen, um, I, want, I, I spoke to um, the uh, promoter at the time. I was like, hey, listen, I've been training here for a while. Can I get my big break or anything like that? You know, I want to start doing their shows. I'm yeah. always at your shows. I'm always helping out with the with the ring and the equipment and stuff like that. So the promo was like, hey, okay, I'll give you a, a spot. But it's not going to be wrestling. I'm going to make you a referee. I said, okay, I'm cool with that. I, have, I really don't know much about refereeing, but hey, let's give it a shot. And that just followed me through. So I my first ever show, I was a referee. And... I only I, I believe I ref like four matches at the time and I, I was just like so scared at the time because like once those like hot lights hit yeah. you, it's just and those people are watching, I just feel like oh my god, I really I don't even think I can do this. I honestly think I can't do this, but lo and behold, I figured out a way how I can do it and got over that nervousness of me. And also being a referee is way more work than probably being a wrestler. Oh, yeah. You got to remember like your spots and like the everything that you guys talked about and stuff like that. So I give all credit to the referees, especially the ones that I know and even the ones I see on TV and stuff like that. So after BWF, um, you move on to another promotion, which was... Oh, that was Fight the World Wrestling. So how that started out was um, I always tell the truth. Uh, I was really frustrated at the position I was in. I still, at the time, wasn't really getting the thing I wanted, which was just to do a wrestling show, just to like perform as myself. So I went to another school. I went to Fight the World Wrestling Academy, which they had a base off in Queens, New York, which they originally had like a school in Brooklyn. I don't remember the location, but they transitioned into going with House of Glory into a school in Queens, Queens slash Brooklyn area. And then I just started training there with the likes of Grim Reefer, amazing guy. <laughs> I love him so much. And Matt Stryker, as you guys know from the WWE, Lucha Underground, and so forth, so forth, so forth. And from there, I feel like that that's where I developed myself a little bit more as like as a character. And I developed myself as um knowing like more a little bit more insight. To wrestling because once I transitioned to going in there, it I learned other things. Like I learned like more part of the business aspect of it when it came to like running this show, promoting, securing a venue, 
and stuff like that. Also, not only I was in FTW, but I also was bouncing back and forth with Creative Pro Wrestling, which is run by Pat Buck and Kurt Hawkins. Um, from there, they had a they had um the school I went to was in Long Island, like I believe right off of Ronkonkoma. So, um, from them, I learned mostly like steps and steps and like little footworks when it came to like wrestling. Like the little more smaller details that sometimes that even like in the other schools I wouldn't really focus on, but from there I did focus a lot more on them because you know Pat Buck, you know as we know now he's a producer for the WWE and Kurt Hawkins is obviously into WWE as we speak, so it's like they know exactly what they're talking about when it comes to like little small increments here and there when it comes to the wrestling uh, wrestling aspect. You had, a, you had a question? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I was, uh, I was going to jump in. Um, yeah, because if you let me talk, listen, I'm going to ramble on forever. Um, it's totally fine. We're, we're, we're on track with everything. But uh, to jump into that one, too, uh, the first time that I met Pat Buck was when me and you went to your tryout in Jersey. Oh, right, right. In right. the middle of nowhere, by the way. But just to be at the tryout with JD Alpha and listen to Pat Buck and how he instructed all the students there to uh, do the exercises and stuff like that. Like I was learning little bits and pieces here and there. And I could tell you that when I stepped into the ring after WWE let me go, I was just like, all right, let me see if I can try this out. And um, it it's actually fun. It's hard work. And it's not, I had to stop overthinking. But um, just based off of my little experience in the ring, plus meeting uh, Pat Buck and getting to understand how he thinks and how to maneuver in the ring, just blows your mind from, from that standpoint. Um, so aside from like Pat Buck helping you out and obviously Gravy for helping you out, um, you want to now jump into the Jersey territory? Well, I guess we can do that. So... Um, I really want to jump into that right now. <laughs> or did we miss like a timeline in this whole? Thing? Uh, yeah, there was there's a huge timeline we missed. <laughs> All right, so Jersey, we're saving you guys for later. Yeah, we'll save that for later. Um, let's see. Uh, let's go back to me leaving Creative Pro. I left Creative Pro due to the fact that like, it was a little bit more farther from where I lived at the time. As you guys know, I resigned in Alphaville, New York, and Brooklyn. Uh, at the time, I was living in the Bronx. Um, so for getting to the Bronx to Long Island every week was just terrible. And then also from there and then going to Brooklyn, Queens just to do fight the world wrestling, that was even more stressful. So I decided to just stick solely on fight the world wrestling. So I stick with fight the world wrestling for about three to four years, four years. Yeah. Four years. I stood with them just trying to, um, help them out when it came to like going to other places when it came to um, helping other promotions out and also wrestling for them, which was like amazing just to get like a big break like that to like wrestle for like other promotions, also be under the FTW banner. Uh, I really think like being in FTW was something of a, a really big learning experience for me because not only I learned to uh, better myself as a wrestler, but also help people better themselves and probably give them like a little quick startup jump to like their career from whatever knowledge I have from going from place to place to place to place to place. And I just realized there is one thing I did miss out 
And here's another story time for you guys. So, uh, during the time um, I left uh, the Bronx Wrestling Federation to go to another school, I went to the school in Jersey. It was off of Jersey, uh, Jersey City. It was called, um, a, like I think it was like um, A Star, like some. I don't remember the name, but it was like A Star Wrestling, where Jay Slicks um, was the head trainer there, and I sh I brought him I brought to him whatever I had from what I learned from BW BWF into his school and just like try to like work things out there. And lo and behold, he brought me to the back and he literally told me the one thing I don't think any wrestler wants to hear or even like a person trying to get into this business, you know, would like to hear. He told me, hey kid, you you kind of don't have it. And honestly, just by looking at you, I think you should just stay as a fan. Wow, that really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it it really hurt hearing that, and um, wow, I didn't even know this. Yeah, like, I didn't know this. It it, it it hurt a lot hearing that from him because like it it was even worse taking the bus back and just like ringing that going through your head like over and over again like someone who's in the wrestling business telling you, hey, listen, you should stay as a fan, and it just hurt a lot. I was just like, wow, I thought I was actually going somewhere, but you know, getting kicked in the face, concussion, and like a split lip means I'm not even. Not even close to like being whatever I want to be. So wow, that that really hurt. Um, but obviously I didn't take that bullshit seriously, and then I then transitioned to FTW, and then that's from there on. You know, that's when right there I kept that like motivated when it came to training. So from there again, consistently training with Matt Striker and Grim Reefer. Grim Reefer was on Mondays. Matt Striker was on Wednesdays. And just, like, picking up, like, things from them really helped me out. It made me think, you know, maybe what that other guy, Jay Slick, said, maybe it was just something he was probably pissed at, or maybe maybe he meant it. Maybe he thought I should still as a fan, but I didn't really, like, really wanted to take that to heart, and I didn't let that bring me down. So it just actually just, like, fueled me to go even further with my career. So... FTW is uh, bringing you and all the rest of the guys around to other shows and stuff like that. Uh, talk about your time when um, you were helping out with Evolve and stuff like that. Because FTW did have a little, I guess, collaboration with Evolve. So at the time, I believe this was during the time Evolve started um, doing shows coming uh, to like across like different states and stuff like that. So um, FTW was there to like give them like a little um, help from here like from time to time um the experience was great because i got to watch these matches and then like talk to the guys in the back like guys like at the time johnny gargano um chris hero um austin theory was there but you know i believe he was just still starting out austin theory ar fox and a lot of those guys and guys like ethan page was not going to say how amazing he is because, like, you know, he'll tell you himself in his little, like, little vlogs or his own mm -hmm. little podcast. But to me, guys like that was also very beneficial because they will tell you, like, hey, listen, you know, in your career, you're going to have to deal with some bullshit that you're not going to want to deal with. So when it does happen, just suck your soul and keep going and keep going and keep going. And then always they will end up with, like, a funny segment with them because it's like, you know, they're boys. And boys will be boys, and sometimes <laughs> some guys have to get slapped, and sometimes, you know, they give wedgies. 
<laughs> yes, they give wedges. I'm saying it right now. They give wedges in the vault. <laughs> I guess they I do. bet they do, man. No, no, I they, bet they do. They do not. <laughs> uh, I met a uh, guy. I met um Gabe Sapolsky. Very, very good guy to talk to. I, I remember having like a couple conversations with him here and there, but just like knowing, learning from him was mm-hmm. just like very humbling because they made me understand, um, you know what it's like to do this, but as not a wrestler, does just like on his like point, like as a promoter or a booker and just to understand like, you know, how the crowd comes into like how the crowd comes out when the crowd goes out, what did you do that night to make them want to come back when we come back to New York? So it was, it was just humbling to like get that from him. Um, just so you guys know, Gabe Sapolsky is, was the booker for ring of honor during, uh, like, the 2000 era of um, of the year. Uh, he should have left right when um, they went. I don't know how long Ring of Honor went with uh, Sinclair Broadcasting, but uh, he was the booker for like mainly. I know like 2006 is very big, and probably to like 2010 ish. But he was mainly the booker for Ring of Honor, and that's the very enjoyable time I had with Ring of Honor. Um, was during those years and whatnot because I love seeing guys like Samoa Joe, who's, you know, in WWE, and then, you know, Daniel Bryan and everybody else like that came from Ring of Honor and stuff like that. Uh, that was the most exciting time when he was there being a booker. And um, I also got the chance to meet him and talk to him for a little bit, too. And uh, just to pick his mind for certain things uh, is really good. One day, I will go down to his the, the, the seminar camp down in Maryland just to do it and get it out of the way. Just to learn some more stuff. I would like to do that one day. Um, favorite match from Evolve? Who? My favorite match from Evolve? I believe probably like my... So here's the thing. I don't like main events. I really don't. They just they bother me. I just don't like watching. Main events bother you? Main events bother me. Is I... it because of the name? It's No, it's not because of the name. It's just... I just watched an awesome show and now I gotta deal with like the last one of them, which is just always ends up boring for some reason. But this one wasn't boring. Um, my favorite, this is like the main event. It was Ethan Page versus Johnny Gargano. It was like a street fight. And like these guys were just brawling it out on the outside and stuff like that. And it was just weird because like I didn't really like see that as much in like indie shows because I haven't really been to a lot at the time because. I'm like I'm the type of person where it's like I don't really like to follow certain products because it's not my business. I would like to get there, but I'm not, you know, gonna tell you. I'm not gonna run down to you what happened every Monday night or every Friday nights or Tuesday nights. I'm gonna tell you what I did on my Monday night as a wrestler or as a trainee or at the time. But going back to your question, um, yeah, every that that match was um, one of my pro- like my personal favorites because. Ethan Page did like the best thing ever and he came out to Triple H's theme song. Oh. Which mm-hmm. at the time it was big because at the time everyone was like super hype, like because Triple H would go out and get scouts for like all these different wrestlers and stuff like that. So when we heard his uh his theme song, everybody, even myself, like I, I have to admit, even myself, I just <laughs> popped. And like the whole place just came alive, and lo and behold, it was Ethan Page looking like The Rock with his whole <laughs> black T-shirt and sweats, and I just said, "This guy has won my heart." You know, <laughs> shout out to Ethan Page. 
So other than that, any other memories from working with FTW and Evolve? So one of my favorite memories working with uh, FTW is probably one of like a match I had. Um, I remember I worked a, I think it was like my second match ever with FTW. Um, I worked like a six-man tag match where um, it was me and two of the trainees against these other seasoned guys who was been with FTW for like a couple more years or whatever. And there was a spot where I had to dive over the ropes. And this was like, so like I said, this is like my second match with FTW. I never really got the chance to fill out their ring. So uh, the guy looked at me and he was like, hey, you can die, right? And I was like, yeah. Everyone getting like crazy. Everyone should be like, oh, they're going to they're gonna jump. They're going to throw themselves. So I look and then I hit the ropes. I come and then I see how high the ropes are. And I just said, okay, I'm just going to go for it. I died. <laughs> And then, I don't know what happened, my body said, you know what, let's bail now. <laughs> Grabbed onto the ropes, and then flipped myself, and then landed my whole tailbone on, like, the metal part of the ring, and then literally saying, ow, <laughs> looked at the crowd, oh God. the crowd looked back at me, and they were just laughing their ass off. I just said, well, <laughs> I made a complete ass of myself, literally. It happens. It, it happens. And then going to the back was even more funny because I'm just getting chewed up by AR Fox telling me, he was like, yo, listen, kid, you got to let go of those ropes. <laughs> Can't be afraid and stuff like that. I tell him, I don't know what happened. I just, I remember flying and then I just remember hitting the apron. That's all I remember. The mind of a wrestler. That's yep. all he remembers. Uh, what I remember during uh, Evolve was the time that uh, you were in a tag team. This was for, this is further in his FCW career uh, when you were in a tag team with uh, Leland Parker versus um, Dom and Chris. Oh, the East Coast Syndicate. Yes, the East Coast Syndicate. And um, Chris had to just take you over to where we were sitting, you know, the family members were sitting uh, on ringside and decided to... Uh, just throw you into the chairs. <laughs> and I was recording your match. I couldn't say shit. And that kind of upset me. Luckily, they didn't tell me this was going to happen. So everything was all right. But either way, like, I couldn't really yell at him just because of the spot. You know, because those chairs are, like, really painful. It, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, 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 even like me and my wife, we still talk about it. She always mentions how much she hates that moment because not only that I went through like the whole entire crowd, I broke her chair. So she's even more pissed. She's like, I hate the fact you took that and I hate the fact you broke my chair. I could not get another chair. So I had to stand for the rest of the show. True story. Oh my God. True, true, true. And true to story. this day, she still has a grudge against Chris Martin due to the due to that fact. She's like, I hate him. I don't want to watch any of his matches. Every time he comes up, I'm just gonna grill him. And to this day, she still does. She has been doing that. <laughs> she has been. Um <laughs> uh, favorite match from FTW. Mines are mines that I mines are like the ones I watched. Because like I watched some shit matches. <laughs> uh I guess Yours. mines, right? Okay. <laughs> Let me see. What We're not it? here to throw people under the bus unless we Listen, have I'll to. I'll throw people under the bus if I had to. <laughs> Let's actually talk about oh this God. one. <laughs> this is for you, buddy. Mr. What is it? Too good? Screw you, Ace Andrews. You broke an N64 in my head. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. We but will. 
Let's, let's. We got we got the video package too. This is Ace Andrews' first ever FTW match. So, is JD Alpha teaming up with Ace Andrews going against the Disassemblers of Bobby V and Jack Cisco? So, it was awesome because throughout the entire match, it was nothing but me and only me and Ace Andrews just playing to the crowd, just like telling everybody, "Hey, yeah, look at me. I'm the big." non-muscle guy. I'm the skinny twig who has muscles and stuff like that. Look at my cool little tank top and stuff like that. Mind you, I'm getting my ass beat by these two assholes, and then he's just pandering around. This was not a good time for me. So, match comes up to, like, close to the ending. I look at him. I said, listen, you better get your skinny ass in here. Tags him in, and after that, like, I just go onto the apron, and the match was already over. I look back, I said, what the hell just happened? How did, how did, how did this end? And then I just see him raising his hand, and then he just looks at me and says, I'm better than you. I'm just like, this is not happening. <laughs> this is, this is completely, this is bad. Afterwards, after the match, I get beat up by the disassemblers. Um, he's gone, because he went to go panic to the crowd again, into the crowd. And I'm still hating him for this. And he sees me getting beat up, runs back in the ring, disassemblers leave. I... Come out, try to get back because I'm hurt. He comes up and makes me look like the littlest piece of shit ever by putting his jacket over me. Like, I'm just like a pathetic fool. And then just brace me to the back while he's still pandering to the I hate Ace Andrews for that. Oh, and by the way, didn't you train him? Yes. Little bit. Oh, JD Alpha trained well, him. Let, 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 let me, like, let me put them this. Let me put actual context to that. I didn't really, like, fully train him. But since he was part of the FTW Academy... You know, he's one of those guys I kind of helped come up when it came to, like, learning certain things about wrestling here and there. I mean, the guy, not to not, like, you know, not to bury him too hard, but he does have a good sense of mind of the wrestling business. So some of it was like, hey, I want to try this. And I'm just a guy like, hey, we'll try this. But, you know, let me just give you a little nudge here, show you how you actually do it like this. And then, like, you know. He'll get his two sentences, like, okay, this is cool, I'll do it this way, then. Basically, stuff like that, you know? I, I wouldn't, like, like I said, like, people who are, like, I would, like, honestly like to say, like, I helped train would be the Ace Andrews, the Chris Barnes, the Dominic De Niro, oh, who yeah. I helped train a lot, because for that, like, if I can just go in to speak about that, Dominic De Niro was one of those guys that, the minute, like, I met, I met him at a, I, I literally met him at a bar. Yeah. And he wanted, like, he told me, and the the big skinny asshole Ace Andrews, like he wanted to be a professional wrestler. So we said, hey, come down to our school in FTW. So uh, we brought him in. Um, after that, he came in with, I don't know, for me, it's like he came in with such tenacity and such glow in him. Dude, and he, he still has it. And of course he still has it. This guy, so this guy it. rocks and kills it every single every single time he's out there. Him and Chris Barr and those guys, they just have like this is fire and charisma in them, which, mm -hmm. you know, they're not JD Alpha, but, you know, yep. I gotta say, those guys are going somewhere, obviously. But, um, back to him. Um, I was there for his first ever match against another one of our good friends, Brother Greatness. Yeah, Brother Greatness. Which was, um, a pretty good match. Um, I remember watching in the crowd, and I just, just I just didn't want to talk to anybody. People kept coming up to so like, hey, I want to talk to you. I'm like, no, I don't want to talk. I gotta see this kid, because, you know, I helped this kid out so much. And, to, I, I just want to see him. And to be honest with you, for his first ever match, everyone will tell you, for your first ever match, you're going to suck. 
But for his first ever match, he didn't really... He, he sucked, of course, but it wasn't as bad as, like, you know, probably my first ever match, which was, like, terrible. I'm glad that video was destroyed. Thank God. But for him, it was just, like... It was, de it was decent. It was solid. And I feel like I, ha I had to pat myself on the back for helping him get to that level. And, like, him now just progressing even further. But fuck Ace Andrews, by the way. I just had to throw it out there. I'm sorry. I Fuck mean, that. that's totally Fuck. fine. Fuck uh, that, that Aiden English-looking motherfucker, you know? Dropping me on my head on an N64, saying he's too good. Sorry, I'm just rambling again. It's, so, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Um, so, uh, since we're already talking about too good, um, if you guys don't know, uh, they basically say that you have not played WF No Mercy. What is up with that? All right. Let's get into the full story. I had a friend who loved WWF No Mercy so bad. Like, that was his, like, his number one favorite game of all time. So, I always lied to him, saying, like, hey, listen, I, yeah, yeah, I played the game before. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Steve Blackman and the um, whole being $5,000 or whatever and stuff like that. I was just bullshitting. I was pulling things out my ass, and apparently some of it was true and some of it was not. So... It was the time he put up a post where kind of hit me close to home. So I said, you know what? Let me make him feel better. And then I made a Facebook post saying, let me make a confession. I never played the Death No Mercy. <sighs> yes, it blew up for no reason. So I'm home literally just like, I, this is me after taking the shower from coming back from the gym. And then I just check my phone and I just see like hundreds of of like comments stating why haven't you played this game and I'm me I'm the nice guy I'm always answering everyone's comments and tweets and stuff like that and then just from there I never knew like a whole community will come after you just because you never played the game from 20 years ago and apparently it has and now I'm cursed with it for the rest of my life so um this whole thing spur out of nowhere because of that and now I can't really I can't do anything with my life while having people ask me have I played the game yet I literally went to the store to get a coffee, and the guy asked me, hey, have you played WF No Mercy? No, because it's not that serious. I literally go to work, and having my coworkers call me from upstairs, hey, have you played No Mercy yet? No, because it's not that serious. But apparently, in this day and age, in this world, it is that serious. But then again, I'm going to keep on saying it. It's not that serious. Do you have a date to give to the fans of when you're going to play WF No Mercy? Well, I have played No Mercy. It's just not WWF No Mercy. See, you guys wanted me to play No Mercy. I did. The, the, the 1986 movie was a masterpiece. And you guys loved it. Just like how I loved it. You know what? Thank you guys again for that. But um, when it comes to WWF No Mercy, listen, if you really want me to play, uh, it's very simple. Uh, just go to my cash app. Send me some money. I'll buy a Nintendo 64, some controllers, and the game itself. And then I'll play in front of everybody. But until then, I'm not playing that game. You Times are tough, kids. You heard it here. Um, and then I guess we'll link the Cash App in the bottom of the description. No, no, no. Even better. Even better. Even better. Best way you can support that is by supporting me by buying my brand new Burrow Bomber t-shirt. Shameless plug. Gomery Shadow. It's totally fine. Uh, when 2020 comes in, you'll be able to get the Bomber t-shirts for 10% off? 10% off. 
Look out in the description description below for all the details. Back to the story. <laughs> all right. So you say No Mercy is uh, not that serious. Totally not that serious. Uh, but your first ever tiring was that serious. That that was the best feeling ever. So uh, since this is the podcast that's going to end up the year, I have actually won my first ever uh, title. It was something that I felt all my hard work finally paid off. And it was for like probably one of the best companies I know. I guess this can go into like the New Jersey scene now. Yeah. Um, so I get a message from, um, the owner of, um, Ironbound Wrestling, which right now it's called Intense Wrestling Alliance. Um, he tells me, hey, listen, kid, I want to use you. You seem like a good kid. Uh, let's make something happen. So this was the time where, um, I feel like my career wasn't really going, I was just going pretty like sleek, just going straight. I really didn't do much. When it came to like going around, I went around to other places and other promotions, but I didn't really like wanted to like travel mostly outside of the New York territory scene. So I was like, hey, I mean, Jersey's not too far. Let me try that out. So, uh, man, I got into IWA. They brought me open arms and I did exactly what I do every night. And that's give them my entire heart. And the promoter at the time, Frank, he said, listen, I see what you're doing here, and I'm going to reward you. You're going to go against one of the toughest guys in the upcoming Mantis. If you can beat him, kid, I'll definitely give you a title shot. Oh, that's how it happened? That's exactly how it happened. He told me, he was like, listen, if you can beat Mantis, you can get a title shot. Wow. So that match comes up, number one contender spot. I'm shaking. I'm nervous. I'm going against Mantis. Mantis is another up-and-coming wrestler who is just amazing just i there's there's so much good i can say about mantis i i literally came into this match scared due to the fact that this guy's reputation he's only been doing this for two years i've been doing this at least now for nine but this guy for two years like literally was just like hey listen uh this is my shit and i'm just gonna shove it down your throat so here we go i have the match of mantis grueling match you know probably one of the hardest matches i ever had and got the big W. Soon after that, Frank kept his word. It was like, okay. So the next show we're going to have, we're going to do it in your home. Well, your former home in the Bronx. <laughs> your <laughs> former home, home because, oh you know, Alphaville is the best place alive. <laughs> you could not beat Alphaville at all. Uh, we're going to do it in your home. And in, in, well, your former home, again, messed up. It happens. And we're going to do it in the Bronx. At the time, uh... I'm wrestling a guy named Johnny Angel, very tenacious. That kid, he he's a real he was a real fighting champion, but he wasn't really ready for JD Alpha. I'm sorry to say, but came uh, came the time, bell rings. I'm doing my stuff. Me and him are rocking it. Boom, boom, bang. I pick up the victory, and I became the IWA Light Heavyweight Champion, my first ever title, and. I can't tell you how much emotion I had with that because it was like all my hard work paid off all the times, even from like even thinking back to what Jay Slick said, I should be a fan. But hey, listen, I just want to tell you. And it's like it was just like one of probably one of the best moments of my life because not only um, my family got the chance to witness it, 
and experience all my hard work, you know, coming to uh, a, I guess a close. I wouldn't want to say close because, you know, I'm still doing this. And, um, but it kind of reached a point of like everything you ever did. Um, even if like no one gave you like a really spotlight and a chance to do it, him winning that title was like everything. Um, just to see it live. And I didn't know it was going to happen. Like, he didn't tell any of us this was going to happen. Um, and... Gotta keep wrestling alive. Gotta keep it a mystery. Yeah, keep it kayfabe. Um, I immediately remember, uh, crying while it happened only because I wasn't expecting him to get, you know, a title. I wasn't expecting you to get it just yet. But, um, I'm really happy that IWA and Frank believed in you in order for that to happen. Like, even when I first met Frank, uh, I could tell he's, like, a really stand-up guy. Like, he he's um family-oriented, and he wants, like, a really good show to happen. Doesn't matter what it is. But he takes care of his guys. Um, the many times that I went to IWA and, you know, he welcomed me with open arms to be part of, you know, with JD Alpha just to record his matches and stuff. He's a very stand-up guy, and um, that's what I really enjoy about going to IWA matches, um, just IWA in general. Also, but don't get that confused, because this this guy takes no bullshit. Like, he'll he'll call you out on some shit. <laughs> he, he would. He, that's why he's a stand-up guy, man. Listen, I love you, Frank. <laughs> Please don't call me out on my bullshit right now. Um, you know, that, that's what it is. Um, but other than IWA, what is the other promotion in Jersey that you also wrestle for? I wrestled for... SWF, which uh, is a, it's it's also a, a name that I still kind of don't know. I just know it's called SWF. Uh, I did one of their trainings that uh, training tryouts that they had. This was a company at the time, like during like 2014. I wanted to like get with, not like sleep with, but like get with. You know, try to like uh, get hired, get hired get, for, get, get hired, and then like <laughs> I got the chance to when I did their tryout, and I just impressed them all. With my JD Alpha, JD Alpha, JD Alphaness. <laughs> and, you know, basically from there, they said, hey, listen, we like your stuff. We're going to use you. Uh, they're really mostly south of Jersey, which is uh, very, very deep. That's how we say it in the Bronx. That shit's deep. <laughs> so we had a roll deep. Many miles. <laughs> we went to the middle of nowhere in Jersey. I feel like, yeah, God. we feel like it's the middle of nowhere. The only reason, uh, the reason why I, there's three reasons why I love wrestling for SWF. One, it's it just feels like I don't know how, how do you say it. Like I'm trying to look for the word. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I'm gonna end up saying the wrong thing. It felt more legit, okay? <laughs> it felt like sort of a, like a higher tier uh, wrestling promotion. And it just felt good. That's one of the reasons, too. There was a Wawa's there, brother. And Wawa's. Listen, Wawa's is life. We're not, we're not sponsored by Wawa's, but that, 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 that thing's life. Literally, like, we got, we, we got 7-Eleven and that... 7-Eleven sucks. That ain't shit. <laughs> like, that's, that's nothing. But Wawa's, that's... That's life right there, man. That's the reason why I love, I love SWF is because they felt more legit. And because of Wawa. I know there's a third reason. The third reason is because they also opened me up with arms wide open. And they also believed in me and they had high hopes for me. Um, and then from there on, I just traveled from other places like Maine, um, Texas. There's other places. Um, you can talk about those. Like any type of road stories. Anything that stood out to you. Let me see. I'll tell you guys about the one in Texas. I... 
So I'm in an RV going down to uh, the show GCWA, probably like one of their in Corpus Christi, Texas. Corpus Christi. Texas. You got it. Yeah. Okay. I'm, you got I just it. want to make yeah. sure. Um. So they, I'm in the road with my friends. We got we. He has an RV, so he was like, "Hey, listen, we're going down to Texas to do all uh, GCWA." Um. Uh. You know, gonna talk to the guy, see if you can get on. Perfect. Go down there, and here's here here here's the funny thing. Leading up to that week, I did uh, CCW Dojo Wars, and I ruptured my ACL. Yeah, I ruptured my ACL knee. Obviously, when the ACL is in the knee, but um, I ruptured my ACL, and I can barely do stuff. But I didn't really care because I was going down to Texas. So, um, this was my this this was a uh, this was like career defining for me because it's like I've I've been to like other places like other wrestling promotions in the states but I've never went straight down to like a place like close to Mexico so I'm like hey listen let me try this out so I'm in the RV messed up knee and everything having to like have my knee suspended on top of um like a couple of chairs or whatever actually no, I had it suspended on a microwave that was that was funny so as I have it suspended like my guys my like one of my friends is just making popcorn and he was just like hmm alpha knee flavor i'm like what the, what the hell does that mean okay well whatever um so we're going down the road we're heading uh i think we just passed um was it north south south carolina or somewhere i think we passed utah there we go we passed utah and there's these chicks on the side of the road and they said they needed a ride and since we have a big rv they're like hey can we uh can we get a ride so my friend was like, yeah, sure, no problem. So what my friend does, he literally told me, he was like, hey, if you guys want to come in, you know, you got to be topless. And then they were like, yeah, wow. sure, no problem. Me, I was sleeping at the time, but I can hear the commotion because I'm sort of a light sleeper. So all I remember was hearing, they were, they were like probably getting naked, I think, in the front because like music's playing loud and like I hear them screaming. After that, he was like, hey, we're going to stop for gas. You know, let's uh, wake up Alpha, see if he wants anything. So... I walked to go to the bathroom. I just see these chicks like half in and I was like, okay, I'm just turning back into the bathroom. I'm married, so I respect my marriage. But um, I'm in the bathroom and then like I'm just hearing loud noise and I'm hearing the girls scream and stuff like that. Come to find out like we just ditched them on the side of the road. <laughs> Naked and everything. We're, uh, and I'm just what looking at I don't know. <laughs> listen, I told him, I was like, dude, what the hell? And he was like, hey, listen. I don't know either. I'm just like, okay, so I guess we don't know. Oh my god, no one knows. I popped my head out to look at them. They were like, you have so And I looked at them. I was like, listen, it's not me. I didn't do this. I was asleep. I guess that was like probably one of my favorites. Um, but then again, Karma hit us because his RV, like, gas ran out or something. And then, like, once we refilled the gas, because this is coming back to New York, refilled the gas, you know, at the, like, I think, like, his battery died. So then. We had to like spend like a couple more hours like um, trying to find like a store that would give us a battery, and we go to this diner and lo and behold, guess who's in the diner? Oh shit! It's those two <laughs> girls. Holy crap! So now I had to run back to the army because I know some shit was going down. And I'm not being no part of that. So I come back and then I just see them coming back with them, and I'm just like, "Well, what's going on?" And so they were like, "Yeah, so um." They're gonna help us out, and I was like, you know, we just we still have their clothes in the back. They're like, yeah, yeah, they want to pick that up, so I give them their clothes and stuff like that, and 
like I said, karma hits us hard because the minute they took their clothes, they took the keys to the RV. Oh my god! And uh, how'd you make it back? Um, no, that's that's a, that's a, that's another funny story. Did you hike it? Oh, uh, we didn't hike it. We just hitchhiked with some 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 locals who were out, apparently going to New York. And uh, I guess, well, some of us took a bus. I didn't have the money for it, so I just I just t- I just took a ride with some stranger, and going back to New York. That's basically that's probably one of my favorite stories ever because it's like those those chicks came back and like got their receipt. <laughs> like, yeah, we're gonna get our clothes, but by the way, we're taking your keys. Like, oh great, oh now God. now we can't go anywhere. Even though we couldn't go anywhere due to the fact of the battery, but yo. It was it was bad. I can't be a part of that. <laughs> it's the life of a wrestler. It's really the life of a wrestler. That that is like the most craziest story that you have in your lifetime. <laughs> so you went to Maine? Uh yeah, I went to Maine, but this was like early in my career. This was like um I think I did I did a dark I would say yeah, it's a dark match. I did a dark match for this company called um MCW. Um, made some. I don't know. I don't remember the full name of it, but it's like MCW. Uh, went down with a couple of the guys from the training from BWF, and then, uh, they were like, "Hey, because this guy, you know, do anything?" And one of my boys they were like, "Yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty solid, stuff like that." So I just did like a show opener for them, you know, you know those those things to like, just get the the crowd coming in, you know, mm. hype and stuff like that. That's it. It was a, a simple five minute match. Nothing really special. So talk about uh, CCW. CCW Dojo Wars. That's a company that I've been trying to get with for well, the Dojo Wars not really, but the CCW itself. It's like something I've been trying to get with for like a while. And I knew going back to like the East Coast Syndicate, Dominic De Niro and Chris Barnes, um, they were going down there just to do their Dojo Wars, and I've just been bothering them and heckling them, heckling them. I'm like, hey, listen, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. I'm gonna go. If I don't go, I'm cutting your balls off. So that's happening, and apparently Chris Barnum kept his balls. So that's a good thing. But then again, they're wanting his balls to get cut off. But then again, <laughs> they want to cut his balls off. So no one's balls were mutilated, ladies and gentlemen. But everyone I, kept their balls. Everyone kept their balls. Um, I told them like this. I believe it was like the close to the end of 2018. I was like, hey, this is when can I come down? And after months and months of bothering them and just telling them and saying, hey, I really want to go down there, Dom, Dominic De Niro literally tells me, well, you can always come. <laughs> that That's a very Dom response. <laughs> that's a very Dom Basically, response. I mean, he was like, yeah, you can just come. Just like that? He was like, yeah, you can just come down. What else? Do I have to do like a special No, just come. <laughs> I'm like, so this whole time, I've been telling you guys... Can I come? And you guys be giving me like the the whole, you know, we're not too sure. We're kind of new here, and we don't want to like, you know, make ourselves look bad. But I'm like, okay, listen, I respect, but you know, can I come down and try to talk to somebody? And just to hear that, no, you can just come. <laughs> well, so it made the little boy me cry a little bit. I was well, like, well, they worked you at that point. Yeah, I hate getting worked by other workers. They they worked them. Um, you want to talk about the other time you got worked? There's been a million times I got worked. Hold on. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about here? The one in uh, Jersey for SWF. With uh, the secret with the secret guy. The secret guy? It's not Jay. It's not Jay Akira, isn't it? No, but we could talk about him in a little bit, but it was on the same show. 
Oh, the secret guy. Uh, so, <laughs> no, the, the, <laughs> okay, this is funny to me, but I'm in the locker room with um, a lot of the guys, and I'm just there talking, riffraffing, and, you know, I think at the time I was playing my Nintendo Switch or something. Um, there's this guy, this weird guy coming in with, like, a, like a luchador mask. And I'm just like, well, this guy doesn't look like a luchador at all. <laughs> this guy looks kind of like, like Huey and stuff like that. I'm walking by him. He has, he, this guy walks around the locker room and he's not saying anything to us. So I'm getting a little nervous because, you know, I, I don't know this guy. You just walked in here for all I know. You're a fan. I'm about to kick your ass. Can't be back here. And like, he stands at a corner and I'm like, okay, it's making me nervous. It's making me nervous. I talked to Alphonse the ref. I was like, listen, this guy's making me nervous. Who the hell is he? <laughs> And he's just like, I don't, I'm, I'm not too sure. He finally comes up to the, the mask guy comes up to us. He was like, hey, I'm, I'm this guy. How are you? How are you? He didn't even say his name. And he lifts up his shirt. Lo and behold, it's James Ellsworth. I'm like, what the hell? What are you doing here? And it was just, I, I, I literally, like, literally stopped. I looked in the air and I looked down and I was like, did I just get worked? Was that, is that literally James Ellsworth? I mean, yeah, you have a luchador mask, but like, what the hell? So, for more context, uh, we were uh, in Jersey. It was an SWF show. They had gotten James Ellsworth to be the surprise person in this um, intergender match. He did his job, um, right? He was such a surprise. Uh, he really did do his job. I didn't know who he was either. And then when he takes the mask off, it's like, oh, it's James Ellsworth. But, um, yeah, he was to be included or just to mess up the intergender match that happened at the SWF event. Um that was one that was kind of like a funny work because I even got worked. I was like, what he, the fuck is this? When he came back to the locker room, he comes back and he was like, you know, I kind of overheard you guys. I didn't want to get like, I, I didn't want to like, start a fight with you guys. So I had to like tell you who I was. I was like, <laughs> at this <laughs> point, it doesn't matter. He, he lifts his shirt up and he shows me the, the, like, the shirt that the E made him. And I'm just like, why are you wearing that shirt? <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. It clicked this guy. Holy cow. What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, I, I met him previously during like a, another, like an FTW show where me and, oh, him, yeah. and, nah, me and him, we got into an argument for things that was not under my control. But besides that, seeing him again, I'm like, oh, wow. Hey, what's going on? Are you still pissed off at me? Because that had nothing to do with me. But yeah, I remember that. I, I remember that. Uh, let's talk about Jay Akira. Oh, God. Jay Akira. The guy that keeps wanting to rise against me. <laughs> um, let, let me see. Jay Akira. Uh, I, 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 I like Jay Akira. He's, he's a cool kid. Um, you know, I think he's another one of those guys where it's like he's trying so hard to like find himself. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of places, especially in the New York scene, doesn't want to like give him the time of day. Yeah. They just look at him as a, another extra guy. But that kid is something special. Like, um, our, we had a we had like a, a a long program in SWF where there for some reason I couldn't beat him. He couldn't one up me. I couldn't. He couldn't one up me. I couldn't one up him. And we're just going back and forth on it. But um, it just it felt it felt weird because it's like he didn't seem like the type of person that I would expect to like hold himself against a, a guy like me you know I've been doing this for a long time he's only I think at the time I think he's only been doing this for like probably like a couple of months or close to a year if I remember and plus you know it's kind of dangerous he hasn't he hasn't really trained a lot so it's like um for the fact he can pull his own against like me was was pretty good 
and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that guy. I I like Jay, I like Jerry Curry. He's a, he's a real good guy. Even though he's not going to beat me, and there will be a day I'm going to beat him. And this little thing he got going on, where it's like he's saying Akira's over Alpha, which that's that's stupid. There's no one over me. <laughs> not even you, Ace Andrews. You too. Bad bastard. Um, Jay Akira, I feel like he's going to be something special. Just give him a little bit more time. And that's really all I got to say about Jay Akira. Um, are you guys going to continue your feud? Do you have any word on that? I have no word on it. But again, if we are, he's not rising up against me. And there's no Akira over Alpha because that's just stupid. So very quickly, the only the reason why you guys are feuding is because we haven't beat each other. We haven't beat each other. He hasn't beat me. I haven't beat him. I don't know what's up with that. So it's a stalemate. At it's this a point. stalemate at this point, and all we know might be a stalemate forever. Uh, you want to talk about Mantis and how he could be your next great rival? No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I personally believe that he will be your next great rival. Okay, we'll talk about Mantis a little bit. How much time we have left? Doesn't matter. Oh, how does it matter? We're going on for two hours? Doesn't matter. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, um... Let's see. Mantis... Like, uh, I, I kind of briefly spoke about Mantis as a kid be, uh, coming out from the West. He's coming... He can't, I didn't mention that part, but he's a guy that like, I believe he's based off like somewhere like in the Midwest. He comes to the... Ter uh, the East Coast, Northeast Coast territory scene to make a name of himself, which he done pretty well as. Um, my match with him was at IWA for the number one contender spot for the IWA light heavyweight title. Excuse me. Um, and that 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 kid is just I don't even want to say kid because like I don't I don't even know I don't remember how old he is. So I have a have bad having called everybody kid. Um, he's. He's really good. I like. I could like. That's another kid I see. He's like, like I can see the future with him, out of his million dollar abs, like he likes to say. <laughs> I can see the future in him, and he's just striving like hard. When I wrestled him, it was the reason. Like the reason why I, I said I was nervous. It was because, you know, um, this guy is striving like so hard, and whatever he does and stuff like that. You know, I just didn't want to like. How do you say this? I didn't want to... I can't really look for the word for that either. Let's just say I didn't want to be in his way. Of, like, having someone... Having from something to go to, like, wrestling for beyond, and then coming down to wrestle little JD Alpha, which, you know, you want to wrestle JD Alpha. Segue into being JD Alpha. Um... I'm not really good with these interviews. Oh my god, um, that's okay. I got it. You sure? I got it. I got, it. I, got, it. I, got I got the training wheels on and everything. I'm good. I'm good. That's why I didn't want to talk about Mantis, but Mantis is another person that's gonna be not is obviously way better than Jay Akira. Uh, he's gonna surpass a lot of us in so many ways. And I felt that when I had my match with him for the number one spot, I we literally beat each other to like we had at least one HP left in us. And I guess, I guess his HP ran out. Then I got the W on that. But such a great competitor. You guys really need to like watch him and like watch out for him because that kid's gonna be something special. Done with Mantis. <laughs> All right. Um, 
What does 2020 have in store for JD Alpha? Well, for JD Alpha, this time around, I'm trying to transition into more international wrestling. Um, I just got confirmed for booking in Puerto Rico and Canada. Hopefully, yes, Canada. We're in the talks right now, trying to go to Mexico. And the last point I would like to go to is obviously Japan. That will be hopefully later on in 2020. And that's basically it. I just want to do that. I want to still do what I got, become the best on the East Coast, show off what I can do in 2020, and still hold the title of becoming the best on the East Coast by getting to wrestle up and down and then spread out a lot more into the West of uh, the territorial scene. Even though I keep saying it's a territory scene, even though it's I like, mean, I'm not that old school. I but mean, technically, I mean, if you really want to do that, you can. So it's, it's, it's a territory. But JD Alpha wants to spread out um, with that, within all the states that provide any type of professional wrestling and stuff like that because it's always fun to travel. And if you are a promoter or know a promoter, if you would like to book JD Alpha, you can go on my Twitter page. My DMs are open. Also, you can email me at jdalphalive at hotmail.com. My email is always open to every promoter fan and sponsorships because i do take sponsorships listen i'll make my tights and i'll just put your logo right there on my crotch not the crotch but it'll be there <laughs> and also if you would like to see some jd alpha matches we also have it on ravage lands production on youtube as well and also on our website www.ravagelands.com um this has been a very amazing uh podcast for the very first time for the square circle podcast uh my whole idea is that when February 2020 comes around, I would love to interview more wrestlers, especially on the East uh, Coast, especially in New York City. We already name-dropped a few, so, you know, if you guys are listening, just uh, let me know when you guys are available. We could set something up because I want more spotlight on the guys in New York City because they don't seem to get the recognition or the spotlight that, you know, they deserve because they all work hard. Every it's single all here in New York. Every single professional wrestler works hard. Every single referee manager works hard. So I will want you to on the podcast to just tell your story, just like JD Alpha did. And then we're going to wrap up with any other last words for JD Alpha. Well, besides the fact that Ace Andrews and, and Kazo are ugly bastards, uh, I really have nothing left in mind. Uh, if you want to come and um, see me perform, uh, Follow my social medias, my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook. I will have a schedule letting you guys know when's my next available uh, performance. I have one coming up in February. My next performance is in February, February 1st in the Bronx Wrestling Federation at 1123 Close Avenue, by the way. Um, I go against You're Awesome. You know, um, I have to find myself a tag team partner to go against those guys, but... At this point in time, no one seems to like me, so that's going to be a struggle. If you guys want to see the outcome, I highly recommend come to 1123 Close Avenue, the BWF, and watch JD Alpha kick some ass. All right, you heard it from JD Alpha. We'll see you guys on a future episode of the Square Circle Podcast. Bye!